Welcome to Best Picture This, where it is always Oscar season. I'm Mike. And I'm Brian. In this show, we reevaluate every Best Picture nominee from the 21st century and decide whether to keep it or kick it from its Oscar pedestal. It's almost like the movie is like a precious ring, maybe. <laughs> and on the one hand, we have the option to bring it into a cave and live with it forever and survive only on raw fish, wear mm -hmm. a loincloth. And on the other hand, we could kick it and cast it into Mount Doom, never to be seen again. Would you agree? If we, dis if we kick it, then does it destroy the world? I would like to think that if we kick it, it destroys the movie once and for all. <laughs> Epic Theaters is showing Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, on April 9th, 10th, and 11th. So you can see it on the big screen for six bucks in Palm Coast. So go check it out and tell them Best Picture This sent you. Also, thanks a lot to Pinheiro Marketing Group for producing this video and uh, if you need some video help or marketing needs then go check out pinheiromg.com check them out so before we decide whether or not to keep or kick something we need to decide we need to understand what else came out that year so in 2002 the nominees for best picture were chicago gangs of new york the hours the pianist and today's movie lord of the rings the two towers directed by peter jackson let's see the trailer The fate of the world will soon be decided. The dominion of evil grows even stronger. There is a union now between the two towers, Barador, fortress of the Dark Lord Sauron, and Orthanc, stronghold of the wizard Saruman. The peril of the Ringbearer deepens. An unseen danger draws closer, for there is another who hunts the ring. Destroy my precious, and we want it. Good. The Two Towers. <clears throat> uh, this movie got a measly six Academy Award nominations. <laughs> Nothing near the 13 from The Fellowship. It won two, and uh, among the nominations were, uh, it won the Best Sound Editing Visual Effects. And I won't bore you with the rest. They're all technical. Um, coming up again the show, <clears throat> we'll do our, our uh, Farley Award for the most awesome moment. We will do a golden take. Then we'll ask each other an important question that is designed to finally grasp that fish that's flapping around <laughs> in the stream on the way to Mordor. We'll also talk about what might have been 
uh, from different actors playing different roles. <clears throat> we'll talk trivia and the big reveal. Mike, will you keep this movie or kick it from the top five of the year? Would you say that that fish is, what does he call them, a crunchable fishes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a fisherman myself. No, I think Smeagol was in his day, I think. But first, our Farley Awards. That's uh, when we give you our most awesome moment or thing about the movie. And um, I know you hate when I cheat. Brian, so I'm not, I'm not going to give two. I'm not going to mm -hmm. bring up Smeagol and how the you, motion capture is amazing. But also how I loved how <laughs> dramatic he was. It reminded me of my eight-year-old daughter, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And he's, I'm starving. And then Frodo gives him a little bread and he tries to choke us. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's parenthood, right? I'm glad you wouldn't bring that moment I, up. I wouldn't bring it up because that would be cheating. Mm -hmm. my, my real um, best moment is Helm's Deep, the battle before Helm's Deep, but not the battle itself preparation for the battle. I loved how in this part of the movie, all of a sudden, everything goes quiet. Everybody is in dire moods. They're all kind of waiting for this war that they don't want to come their way. You see young boys pulled from their families. You see them put in, in given weaponry that's too heavy, put in shields that are too big. And you just get this sense that in other movies, this would have been there would have been the soundtrack of the music trying to get everyone pumped up. There would have been a speech. Somebody would have given an inspiring speech That's to true. get there people fired up. There isn't much of a speech going on. There Peter Jackson is. plays it the total opposite way. Yeah. And instead of getting us fired up, he wants us to think about how serious war is, how serious death is. And that humanizes the whole story, right? But it's it's, it's not about orcs anymore. It's about, it's about humanity. It's a movie where you have so many opportunities for these kind of speeches. And yes. there are, it's, there's plenty of them this kind of high rhetoric and, you know, Shakespearean kind of a, a tone to it. But yeah, that's, I don't really remember a, a grand speech right before that. And even when the army the is coming, they make a point to make it even extra quiet where you even hear the wind and they just watch this army, what 10,000 strong of orcs mm -hmm. coming their way. And they're just watching from the tower. Are watching they orcs or are they orakai? It's both. The orcs are like the little scrawny ones and the orakai are like the ones with the dreadlocks that are mm -hmm. Because I remember that I was getting works. some flack for that during the yeah. fellowship. Yeah, you made a fool of yourself from the that fellowship. That was <laughs> to me, they're all the same. It's these big monsters with you know strange prosthetic faces. I guess so. The makeup is fantastic. Though. Makeup is good. But also, I like in that scene how they kind of know that the king is misplaying this, but they stay. They're standing to fight, and it's kind of partly because it's the right thing to do, but also because they're, what's the alternative? I th the thing I love about Helm's Deep, actually, I, I find, as I've said before, a lot of the hand-to-hand -hand combat, it just gets kind of, a little bit. yeah, it gets a little tedious to me. But when they're, th when they're swinging these ladders up, That's so cool. it's like, oh, wait, they're going to get in. How are they going to fend off all those guys? Although I did think it seemed like at some point you could probably have the strategy of you know, pushing that ladder back. Yeah, they try. They try. I like just that an idea next time. The, the battle focuses deep. on logistics. You know, it's not yeah. just about that hand-to-hand -hand combat and being cool. It's mm -hmm. also like, how does an army try to, to get through these thick stone walls? They have the high ground. They're shooting arrows down at you. At one point, we see sort of a group of orcs walking along a, um, a stone bridge, and they all have their shields kind of creating yeah. a wall and a ceiling mm -hmm. above them. Good trick. It's so cool. And then you throw the ladders in there. So why do you think Saruman didn't build a few more of those bombs. 
I mean, we're going to go made, back to these questions. He made one bomb. Uh, let's make two of them. One's all you need. Make three of them. You've got the bigger army. All you need to do is get that bomb through the weak spot because every, every stronghold has a weak spot. And then you're good. And it's just a war of attrition at that point. My most awesome moment was a even quieter moment. And this even is quieter. When, even quieter. This is when Aragorn is walking and they're, you know, they're marching. And uh, there's a lot of Aragorn walking with his companions throughout the movie. But <laughs> as Aragorn's walking and he's flashing back to the moments with, with Arwen, the, the elf played by Liv Tyler, uh, I thought that that was maybe, that was the most emotional moment of the movie to me. Um, you really felt the, the conflict there because he has, he's basically given away her, you know, she, she, she's willing to give up immor immortality to kind of be with him. And he's declined it, but he loves her because, so he's declining it because he loves her so much. And I think that that dynamic is really complex, but it's very human too. I mean, there's a lot of relationships that don't work out for different reasons. And I thought that that's, that's one of the great strengths of the whole trilogy, I think. Um, and there's times when it's a little bit confusing, like, why are we flashing back? And it kind of revisits it sometime later. Yeah, he and doesn't give us those signposts yeah. to let us know where we are in time. He just exactly. kind of jumps back. But Liv Tyler is just this really this magnetic force, you know, looking right into the camera, these close-ups. And I think those are also really, really, uh, really great moments. So Aragorn and Arwen, I thought, was really well done in this movie. So let's go to Golden Takes. Okay. It's not just a hot take. It, no, this is, picture this, this is, is a level It's up. golden it's, or, or it's nothing. <laughs> so let's hear the golden so this, take. This is going to be golden, but I know we're not in question time yet, but I wanted to pose a question to you first because mm -hmm. it all, it all kind of ties together. So Keith Phipps of the AV Club, he said, to live up to expectations, the two towers only had to be as good as its predecessor, mm -hmm. and astoundingly, it's better. Sarah Sands of the Daily Telegraph said, the two towers is like being trapped in a nerd's bedroom. <laughs> so, what could be better than that? Or is that a negative review? Which is more true? <laughs> I think it's a negative re review. I, I would think that's a negative review. Um, like, is this, does this movie, is, is the world too big for you? Are the nerdy things well, too nerdy? I don't what think your the reaction? nerdiness was a problem. You kind of get into Lord of the Rings knowing that you're entering nerddom. But I feel like the movies benefit from having a year in between them. Hmm. You know, you watch 2001 in the theater and, you know, you're excited for Two Towers, mm -hmm. but you have to wait till 2002 to watch it. I think that that is actually kind of good for it because it's kind of overwhelming. It's like it is. two Thanksgiving feasts in a row. And I found myself, because I did watch this like a week after or even maybe even less than that. About, yeah. It was about a week after I watched The Two Towers. Same. And I found myself a little bit feeling like, I was eating that delicious pie <laughs> on top of my delicious Thanksgiving meal. Okay. Um, but so, so does that answer the question? I mean, I, 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 I do think that it was a great piece of pie. Yeah, yeah. And it's not too it's much for unfair you. unfair to compare it to the overwhelmingness of the other epic that we just watched for three hours mm -hmm. because they do stand on their own. They have their own kind of arcs. Um, I don't think it's unfair to compare this against Fellowship. No, I think that, I think that it's unfair to compare the experience based on the fact that I'm so fresh on, on Fellowship. See, is it a better movie? I think Fellowship is superior to this movie yeah. um, in part because there are some kind of 
the, the, the tediousness of it. You know, I think more Gollum on the screen is not good. Ooh, I, I'm not I don't a big, know about that. I'm not a big Gollum fan. No, no, no. You're wrong about this one. I am uh, correct more, about this. More, more Gollum makes more this orcs, more orcs. More, more, more Gollum. Oh, more, you're saying no orcs. Those, more those orcs not is a bad good. thing. More orcs is usually bad. So who do you want more of? Aragorn and Arwen. I guess. Okay. I don't know. Would you Would you prefer? I want Boromir back. <laughs> Boromir was good. I did. I did miss <laughs> Boromir a lot. Um, I also don't love Grima. Which one is it? You're going to have to give me. Grima is like the, the guy who sort of looks like Ozzy Osbourne. Guy. Okay. Jack White. I, I'm you with know. you. So let me get into, into my. In, All right. Let me get into it. So here. that was not even your golden take. No, that was a question. That a was precursor. a pre-golden take yes. question. Okay, go ahead. So Kathy Mayo of the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. She said, call it a pretty good film and I'll agree with you. Call it a great one and I will beg to differ. And that is what I think my golden take ultimately comes down to. Mm -hmm. Fellowship, like you said, is a totally different movie. And that's, that was surprising to me because these were shot simultaneously. This, yeah. Fellowship, and Return of the King, all shot at the same time. Yeah, about 16 months, I think, for the whole shooting of it. Yeah, and they come out year after year after year, three, three years in a row. So you would kind of think that this is just one continuous story chopped into three blocks. But I don't think that that's, that's the case at all. I think this movie has its own identity. I think it's more talky. I think it's less fantastical. Not in a, in a bad way. It still has all the spectacle there, but I think the first movie sort of focused more on lore, and this movie focuses more on people and sort of the philosophy of war and, and when it's appropriate and not appropriate to fight. But I don't think quality-wise you could even compare the two. I think that Fellowship is that much better than that, and I'll tell you why. When I was watching this movie, I had a notepad next to me, and I wasn't writing a ton, but every now and then I would have a thought, and I'd say, I want to write I'd like this. to see this, this notepad. It's messy. I'm going to tell you that we right should, now. Uh, we should auction off pages of it someday. You know? But afterwards, I'm looking over this notepad, and I'm realizing how many of the notes that I put down were negative, which kind of was a little bit of a bummer. It's so I just want, a bad sign. I want to read you some of these and just see if you, <laughs> if you agree. Inside the mind. Yes. And, and just let me know. Feel free to cut in and let okay. me know if you think that this is a a bad take or a near golden take. Okay. Let me know. So spend a ton of time with Mary Pippin hyphen worst characters. <laughs> uh, <I> Ents <laughs> equal worst new character question mark. The Ents. Yes, I would agree. I'm not a huge Ents fan. Who's the black haired guy's name that you just Grima. mentioned? Grima. Grima. Ozzy Osbourne. He's sort of like pre Gollum. So black haired guy's performance frowny face. <laughs> ton yeah. of new characters but not great intros and the exposition was one of the best things about fellowship pacing much worse jokes don't land faramir's daddy issues boromir repeat exclamation point <laughs> camera more static too many death fake outs that aragorn thing with over the edge and then all right so you love uh arwen i, I agree i that, love that arwen. relationship is good big crush on Liv tyler but in this movie mm -hmm. they try to set up this secondary almost love story with Arwen and this blonde girl so, at Helm's Deep. First of all, Arwen is not even a big, from what I understand, I, I am not a student of the actual novels, um, but from what I understand, Arwen plays a much, much bigger role in the movies than she does in the, play, in the book. Okay. So I kind of got a little bit of like, we got to force a little more Liv Tyler into, into the movie. I kind of got the feeling like that's, that's what, what's happening here. 
But I what's was okay the deal with that, but what's the deal with this side love story though? See, I got the impression it's that not a side love story. It becomes the real love story, doesn't it's it? It's not though. Like at one, at what point in this movie do they have any interactions that feel meaningful? They just kind of talk. She gives him bad soup. He has a cute. Do, it's a little bit of a meat cute. She I gives him bad soup, and he tries to dump it out and burns his hand. Is that when they fell in love? Are we talking about the same person? This is the the blonde princess. Yeah, she yeah. Brings up a sword, and Aragorn is kind of impressed. Yep. I, I thought that scene was good. Ugh. I kind of bought that. But then when she he shows back up, spoiler alert, or Aragorn does not die. When he comes back in and she's happy to see him, I kind of did buy that. But I didn't really think like, oh, they fell in love. I oh, I, I, but I don't think they're supposed to exactly. But that's the thing. We have a, I, I watched the extended edition, so I might have even had more <laughs> scenes of them together than you did. You can't get enough. And I figured, okay, they're having a nice interaction. That's good. But I didn't, I didn't feel like anything was established. And after the fake, uh, the, the death fake out, Gimli comes in and makes it a point to pull her aside and tell her as if she lost something. And how did Gimli know that they, I don't know, that, that whole yeah. thing just felt like the movie trying to force maybe, a romantic entanglement where there was not one. Maybe every bad thing about this movie was actually in the extended cut and it got cut from the real theatrical movie. Maybe, that's, that's possible. Fair. All right, I, I've, I've gone on too long. Your golden take. My golden take is that the greatest accomplishment of the two towers. And I do not think that it is, I, it's, I don't like it as much as Lord of the Ring, but I do not think that it is very much of a step below the quality of the movie. It's still I very think it good. Was, I think it was mostly because of the fatigue, the Thanksgiving effect, that I was having a little hard, harder time with it than, than Fellowship. But I think that the greatest accomplishment that Peter Jackson makes in the movie is taking a character who is so grotesque and unlikable by definition. Gollum is supposed to be yeah. just a horrible, you know, presence to be in, be around. And yet when Frodo starts to feel some sympathy for him, I did too. And I was kind of surprised at myself because I was like, okay, don't like Gollum, check. You know, that's an obvious thing. You're not supposed to like Gollum. Yeah. But then as he's like being very childlike, he's playing in the river. He's like by himself and he's kind of humming to himself. And, and um, when he does the close-ups and you see those like big baby eyes, yeah. um, obviously he's not cute. You know, I still but don't really like way. Gollum. In a way. But you can understand that he feels lonely and despised. Yeah. You, can, you get that sense. And Frodo, well, the eyes are like the portal into his are. humanity, right? Because everything else has gone away. Yeah. He was in the cave too long with the raw fish right. and the loincloth. So when Frodo is starting to feel like, you know what? This guy got turned by the ring. That could happen to me. Yeah. I thought that was a very profound moment. And For again, sure. it's, it's, it's like it expands the power of the movie so much because it's got this universal... Like, okay, that can happen to every, every person in the world has had to confront this situation where you thought that one person or somebody you know or some, a figure from history or somebody mm -hmm. was despisable and you made the right choice that this person, I don't like that, that person or that thing. And then you, ha you change your mind. And that, that, that's such a powerful thing to happen. And I thought it was, it was effective. That said... 
also the 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 action of Gollum, the special effects, most of the time were great. Some of the lighting looked a little bit fake, but <laughs> but the uh, the splashing in the stream. Yeah, I mean it's amazing. I was like. I have my eyes like laser focused on there looking for some errors in the splashing like mm -hmm. but it's like he got it perfectly yeah that's it's really incredible. It's mostly when you have him right next to you know real life characters i think yeah. that's when you notice most that the the lighting doesn't quite hit him in the same yeah. way They're, they look a little shiny and i mean he's a digital but and for i really the time. don't like that i mean it does throw me out of the story somewhat and the, really the, the ends did that somewhat to me um, I mean, I was still completely able to empathize. It, did, it didn't take away from... With the ends? No, Smeagol's part oh, of yeah. the story. I mean, I, I thought that that's the best part of the movie. And, I, you know, I think I said last time, I sort of like how these special effects get dated a little bit because at the time, this was charming. amazing. And, and yeah, it's charming and groundbreaking. <laughs> and I think that it's still, it still is very, very good. Yeah. It's just, you know, now we could see little cracks in the surface because it's 20 years later. Yeah. I think that's normal. So let's move on to our grand question. So this is, <laughs> this is part of the show where we ask each other a question that is designed to toss a dwarf of truth <laughs> into an orc pile of ignorance and get to the real meat of what's going on here. So here's my question. Okay. Carrying on with our Gollum discussion. Okay. Hit me. Does Andy Serkis deserve a Best Supporting nomination for this movie? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean, he's not even on the screen. It's a voice action. Doesn't that make it even more impressive? Well, does what about all the Pixar movies? Those are motion capture. That's th this is different. That that is completely made on a computer, computer graphics all the way. I think this there's is, a lot of Pixar movies that the expression and it's supposed to imitate. So well, yeah, it's definitely supposed to imitate, but this is, he is in a full green suit up against a green screen. He's acting with all the little ping pong balls yep. and then they superimpose the computer on top of him. So I think that you still, you get a lot more of his physicality mm -hmm. and a real person's physicality than you do in say a, a, a Ratatouille. You know, I don't see a bunch of human <laughs> physicality in the rat, even though Ratatouille, great movie, just watched it recently. <laughs> I don't know, I think, I'm, I'm not upset about, about, the, about a nomination for Andy Serkis. I think it's cool. I think it sort of marks that things have changed mm -hmm. in the medium and that we're open to that kind I, of thing now. I don't remember if he actually did. Maybe that was for a return. Something. Anyway, we'll, we'll look it up and put it in the comments. Or if someone is looking and wants to look it up and tell us in the comments, that would be great. Um, so what do, you, what do you think? Do you think it was, uh, do you think it's I'm deserved? I'm not supposed to answer it. I'm supposed to ask you the question <laughs> of truth. Okay. okay. Um, I think there's too many places where the actor's face really is so much of the, of, of the acting that I think that you kind of get disqualified from an acting Oscar uh. um, because it's, it's like a combo. If, if they did, it should be Andy Serkis plus the animator should get the acting nomination, mm. which doesn't really make sense to me. Also, one, fit, one little tidbit, Andy Serkis drank bottles and bottles of what he called gollum juice. Gollum juice? It's a mixture so of honey, know. lemon, and ginger to keep his throat uh. lubricated for his intense vocal performance. I don't know how true it is, but I... So, fortunately, Epic <laughs> Theaters has given us some gollum some juice gollum here, juice. and we'll drink it after the show. Yeah, we don't have any straws. Yeah, so we, we need straws to get that honey in from there. I don't know how true it is, but I've heard on some other film podcasts mm -hmm. that apparently there's a rumor going around 
that Andy Serkis actually isn't in a lot of this movie, that a lot of the footage wasn't usable, and the animators had to basically create 90% of that character. Hmm. So, I don't know, that's just a rumor I heard. I have nothing go. to back it up with. But you I heard the rumors here first. Yeah. yeah. So, my question, yeah. I, I like that you started it off with throwing the dwarf of truth, because uh -huh. that's kind of part of this. So, I mentioned before, this, this is a talkie movie, mm -hmm. and Peter Jackson does a lot to make sure that we take the concept of war and death seriously. But it's also this giant blockbuster, and so there's a lot of levity. It's supposed to be fun. So my question is, did the jokes, and especially the Gimli Legolas stuff, work for you? <laughs> Were they a welcome break in the seriousness, or did they feel like they undermined the seriousness? I think they undermined the seriousness, and part of that is that when Legolas is saying, I just shot 17, 18, yeah. 19. It's like you don't believe that they are in any danger whatsoever. Yes. And I think that's really the problem. Yes. Um, Gimli. What does Gimli, Gimli contribute? I, <laughs> Gimli is, um, it's like he's the most vulnerable because you, you can't believe he can keep up with Legolas and Aragorn as they're running through the, yeah. through the plains and through the mountains. And when he's there, he gets saved a few times by other people, you know, yep. kill, killing, his, uh, killing his foe. Um, but you still don't really think there's any chance that Gimli is going to die or Legolas <laughs> is going to die. So it kind of was like, all right, so what's going to, you know, what's the outcome of the battle? Um, it's, I don't know, the battle gets a little bit tedious to but me. But especially, specifically, that dwarf tossing scene, you know, because yeah. he's said before, no one tosses a dwarf. And then in that moment, that's kind of their only, that's the only way that yeah. he can get over here. And he, he's, he brings it up. So it's like a moment of growth for him. I suppose. But they're on this bridge. The bridge is covered in thousands of orcs. Yeah. And then we just have two people fighting them off. And it's like, they don't really even show us why that works so much. He throws them over there and they just start mowing these orcs down. So I didn't feel like that. I thought that, that was for the joke of the, the dwarf tossing. Yeah, totally. But why? not for any sort of actual uh, plot reason. Yeah. But another thing, isn't this, I get that the orcs are evil. And the whole sort of concept of this movie is that uh, good and evil are very black and white, right? Mm -hmm. There's no ambiguity there. Orcs have no other intentions but to kill and destroy the world. Okay, fine. But wouldn't, wouldn't the murder of the orcs in war mean more if it meant something? I mean, if it wasn't so yeah. jokey? It's like they're, yeah. Like there's, I feel like there's still It's hard to know what's at stake. The, 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 the people being protected at Helm's Deep, you do care about that. And when those ladders go up, I'm like, uh-oh, this is not going to be good. Yeah. But the tension of that war, um, I feel like, is more, it's more of a spectacle than it is a heart, you know, hits you in the gut. Yeah, and, and I mean, these Marvel movies, I bring these up a lot, they're, they're kind of guilty of this also, where sometimes the bad guys lack humanity so that yeah. we can just be mowing down aliens because they're not human, so we don't really care about them. But that's less interesting, and I felt, I felt the same way here, where the yeah. orcs were, and they're supposed to be very, very disposable, but I don't know, it just, it, there's something missing there when Jackson puts so much time into making us take war seriously, and then immediately undercuts that with jokes and doesn't show the other side as having any, you know, meaning or depth. Right. I agree. All so, right. What might have been. What might have been. So this is the segment where you tell me other actors mm -hmm. who were considered for roles and I tell you whether or not 
that was a bad idea. I have five of them ready for you. Okay. So these are people who were rumored to be these roles. Morgan Freeman as Gandalf. Ooh. I am going to say that is doable. I think so, too. But I prefer Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen is great. He'd become this kind of iconic. But yeah, he's just, Morgan Freeman, you could almost see. The, they both have a very, very similar quality. Get, they right? do. Wise, but with a little twinkle in their eye. Yeah, <laughs> they're a little rebellious, okay. a little mischievous. Now, we mentioned this one, I think, before, but I have to bring it up again. Sean Connery as Gandalf? No. Still no. No. Patrick Stewart as Gandalf? Maybe more than Sean Connery. He's in the same group. I mean, you have uh, Magneto and Professor X there. <laughs> they have the same quality also. Okay, this one I thought is really a great, great one. Elrond, remember Hugo, Weave, Hugo Weaving, mm -hmm. the- uh, Yep, 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 the head dwarf. Uh, the head elf. dwarf. The head the, I mean, yeah, yeah, the head elf. David Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's totally. do that. I'm, David I'm Bowie? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <laughs> For sure. They, did, they said no on David Bowie because he was too famous as David Bowie. Oh, that's dumb. This is, this is um, Agent Smith. I know. Come on. Two you years know, ago. You know with Aragorn, you're thinking the whole time, Mr. Anderson. Okay, last but not least on what might have been. Quentin Tarantino as Peter Jackson directing Lord of the Rings. Uh, that was a possibility at one point. No, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say no with this one. I, I love Tarantino, but then this would have been a Tarantino movie, yeah. and I think it needs to be a Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah. You know, and also I don't know if we would have the New Zealand tie-in without Peter Jackson. I don't know if they could have done it on a soundstage somewhere. Yeah, but you don't think the New Zealand part? <laughs> I mean, that that adds so much to to the yeah, landscape, just to the world. Do CGI helicopter sweeps of all oh, those mountains? You know what I'm saying? That's no. All right, trivia. I have six bits of trivia that you can tell your wife <laughs> since she won't watch this sh show. No. First, Urukai. Not orcs. All right, I get it. <laughs> Urukai. Yeah. They could not find enough six feet, six feet tall men to play the Urukai okay. as extras. Okay. So there were some who were about five feet tall. And so around the set, they were affectionately named the Uruk Low. Uh, so they were Kai. It's, it's yeah, high to low. It's offensive. You know, yeah, it is kind of offensive. I mean, I'm not very tall, so I, I don't like that. I don't mind it because I'm tall enough. <laughs> okay, so the orcs have black blood, right? It's tarry. Tarry, yeah. I, I like how tarry it is. It's, it's, it's gross blood. It, it is gross. Um, if it was Tarantino, it would totally have been red, realistic-looking blood. And I probably would have loved that, too, honestly. It was <laughs> I'm starting to come around in this whole Tarantino idea. <laughs> So um, the inside of their mouth was supposed to look black, too. Mm -hmm. So they had to use licorice-based mouthwash before each of their scenes to make sure the insides of the mouth look black. So how do you feel about licorice? So this, which cup did I say was golem juice? The other one, you know, is licorice mouthwash, and we'll have to splash that on Mike after. I mean, more important than the keep, keep it or kick it question, which we'll get to next, yeah. is keep it or kick it, red licorice, and black licorice. I always... I'm very equal on both. I love both. All right. Kick red licorice all day. Yeah. It's horrible. They're all good. Black licorice? Keep. Keep forever. Bring it into the cave with you. <laughs> <laughs> and you survive just on that. Dip it in the golem juice and you're good. Oh, man. It's great. Vigo Mortensen <laughs> in this movie kicks a helmet. Okay. It says, ah, he kicks a helmet. And they're like, we can't find Marion Pippin, the worst characters in the movie. 
Well, he was supposed to kick a fake helmet. And he actually picked a, kicked a real helmet, and he broke his toe. Wow. So that scream was totally amplified by the actual pain. And Peter Jackson mm. was so impressed, and he only realized later that it was actually his real pain. He was so impressed that he kept on acting, and he made a point to say that Bill Mortensen, the only reason he brought that up even, it was in the DVD, I guess, um, director, or the commentary. The commentary. Yeah. Because he wanted to make sure that that happened to him, but think of all the things that the stuntman actually got injured. He's such a great guy, you know, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, yeah, what he's a, a good guy. What do you think about his death fake-out, by the way? Um, I, I was ragging on the fake-outs before, but I mean just how it happened. Were, were you into the that? The fact that he falls you, off. Did you feel like it was a waste of time, no matter how it was done, because you knew that he wasn't going to? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's sort of like Batman Rises, Dark Knight Rises. Mm -hmm. For most of the movie, he's not even the Dark Knight. He's in some cave. Mm -hmm. It's like you watch Lord of the Rings, so you can see Aragorn, you know, doing his thing. So anytime you lose your character for a while, and I think he's like sort of the main character. Smeagol. I think it's not Smeagol's as good. Smeagol's the main character. Uh, Smeagol, we could, I think we would try to I mean, see I, Lord of the Rings with no Smeagol. That'd be interesting. It, it boggles my mind that you would want less of Smeagol when I'm, I'm completely on board with this being his movie. I feel like this is a movie <laughs> entirely about redemption. You have all that Faramir stuff, you know, my daddy didn't love me as much as my brother. And his brother said the same thing. I have to bring it back because my daddy will be <laughs> mad if I don't. I mean, but Faramir redeems himself, just like Boromir did. Legolas auditioned for Faramir, by the way, originally. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Legolas, I'm not so big on him, but I feel like Orlando Bloom is the right, yeah, he's the right fit. He's got that, you know, baby face skin. But I mean, for a movie that, that focuses so much on redemption, how do you take Smeagol out? That, I, I mean, feel like Smeagol slows the, the movie down. I like the close-ups though. I see, I see the emotion. I'm coming around to him. I pity him. I wouldn't have killed him either. Okay, so <laughs> trivia number four. More than 1,600 pairs of latex ears and feet were used during the shoot. Each had to be cooked in a special oven that was running 24 hours a day, seven days a week to get it ready, okay? Okay. So, and the thing is, there's no way that you could take off these ears and feet without damaging them. So you had to use a new pair every single time. Wow. And they were shredded every time so that there wouldn't be a black market for, for old hobbit feet. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, um, I can relate. I wear a new pair of sneakers every day. And Sean Astin, <laughs> Sean Astin, uh, who is Samwise Gamgee, of course. He My Sam. He guessed that there were 50 days that they had their feet put on and they never were in any shots. Oh, really? They're just, just walking around, around all day? And they could have been wearing their Converse. Instead, they're sitting around getting their Hobbit feet put on, each hair meticulously inserted into it. <laughs> okay, number five. On the Helm's Deep battle scene, there mm -hmm. was an extra who had a eye patch. eye patch. Okay. And it was like a, an actor who really had one eye. And Peter Jackson talked him into taking it off and using, so like showing his, uh, yeah, yeah, showing yeah. his eye socket. That was a real eye socket. Yeah, it's a great shot. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, and I think that that is a strength of, of this Peter, trilogy yeah. altogether because everything is so huge. Yeah. But Peter Jackson makes sure that we focus the on these details. details. And, and apparently, that's what amps it up. I love apparently that. Apparently it helped the guy feel a little less self-conscious less, less self about his uh, missing eye. 
Okay, last thing. Helm's Deep, that yeah. scene, was edited down from 20 hours of footage shot over a four-month period with a rain machine. You think about that. That's it's all at night. It's all raining. Four months. I wonder how 20 many... 20 hours of footage. Extras no. they had to, because I know a lot of them were, were digital, you know, like, mm -hmm. like a gladiator. Yeah. I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before. I think that we should have a marathon showing. Epic, if you're listening. Remember, you can see the two towers. April 9th, 10th, and 11th. Six bucks in Palm Coast. I think that we should talk them into... Finding that 20 hours of Helm's Deep footage and just watching the whole thing. Just watching that straight, huh? Start at 4 a.m. and go till midnight. You know, it would be great. Wow. Speaking next, of Tarantino, apparently there's a 20-hour <laughs> cut of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is there really? That's, that's word on the street. Another rumor. Holy cow. Actually, that's, not a, that's, 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 that's real. That's <laughs> not a rumor. <laughs> Finally, mm -hmm. getting to our final conclusion. Mm -hmm. Keep it or kick it. Whew. Okay, so honestly, I was hoping that this conversation would clarify my thoughts <laughs> a little bit so you don't you haven't really decided before I, the I show did, started I, I didn't i didn't write really? anything down I, oh. I went both ways i was leaning freewheeling i was leaning toward kicking it mm -hmm. honestly i was hoping that you would convince me otherwise you have not <laughs> and so i think i have to kick it i think i mean i i i really like this movie i mean i i'm not it's definitely not a two star you know it, it's yeah. up there but it's I just, two and a half. I feel like the things star. that it does well, Fellowship did as well or better. How can you penalize it for that? If you hadn't seen Fellowship, but you would have kept But I did movie. see Fellowship, and I saw it one year ago. Why does that matter? Because it's the same thing. If, if one movie has a bunch of great stuff, and I have very few complaints about it, and the other movie that I see, I have, all the same I have more stuff. complaints about it, and the great stuff that it does has already been done, then why should I give this one? It's the same director. Yeah. It's, it's the same feat. And like we said before, it was shot simultaneously. So maybe this is, a, this is an issue with editing that I have. I don't think it's an issue with the performances. I think those are you know, the same across. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I just think that there are a lot of characters introduced here, and I don't feel connected to them like I do all the characters that were introduced in the first movie. Mm -hmm. um, I do like that it has its own personality, and it spends time on, on philosophy and morality a little bit more than the first one does, or at least in different ways. Uh, but I don't know. I just I'm not psyched about it. And if I if it was shorter and maybe all Smeagol, count me in. Just a star show for Smeagol, sort of like the Aaron Brockovich for Smeagol. Yes. The Castaway. Get for him Smeagol. a rom com. That's what I want to see. <laughs> the Smeagol rom com. Practically is a rom com with Smeagol. It would just be called Precious. <laughs> well, I guess we there's have already a movie, movie called, called Precious. Precious, a novel by Sapphire. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking in the first like 20 minutes of the movie, mm -hmm. I'm kicking this movie. Really? Yep. And then Helm's and, Deep. And as I went you? through, the pitying of Smeagol, the Arwen stuff, which I like, you know, uh, King Rohan's grief for his son, although the line of nobody should have to bury their son, I think it's sort of like, I, you know, I've heard that other places before, but I felt like it felt pretty fresh when he mm -hmm. said it there. I thought that Mary and Pippin, although they're kind of annoying sometimes and they feel pretty slight, when they decide to try to talk the Ents into going to war, I bought that scene. That kind of redeemed them to some extent for me there. So that a lot was, all, all of the Ents stuff 
that kind of ties into that World War II idea that we were talking about last yeah. time, right? I mean, they're it's kind a, of the it's saviors going into to. Uh, but they would not get involved until it affected them. You yeah. know, we have to think about it. This is not our war, but you're yeah. a part of this world. They go that in kind and then thing. they see the, the tree stumps. Yes, and then um, their Pearl Harbor gets bombed, and they're like, "There's Let's do something it. we're in 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 any in any story." Um, when you you want to believe that the bad guys are so powerful that there's no possible way that the good guys can win. When a movie can do that and really make you think that Helm's Deep is falling, because it is falling, and when the good guys come back in, the Ents come in and they start wiping guys out, you, you feel this sense of relief. That was a one of those kind of, as um, Alim Hussain, the director who came on one of the previous episodes, he said that he's looking for that visceral response. Mm -hmm. I got some of that from the Ents coming in and saving the day. Like, okay, there's like visual, there's like a, a palpable feeling of kind of a relief that this is there. They're, and it's like the good guys are becoming more powerful than the bad guys. Gandalf. I was going to say we haven't I have a about little Gandalf bit of yet. a problem with Gandalf because it's totally the deus ex machina. The, the, you know. All is lost and then he comes down the hill. And it's like. It's a great it's just, shot though. It's just kind of. Plopped in at the end, but he does he does tease it that he's going to come he back. He says, "Look at the look toward the east at first light." On the fourth day, or <laughs> but when you have the Ents coming in and you have Gandalf coming in, and it's like, "Good can defeat evil." It's kind of, it, it's I thought it, it it delivered on kind of feeling inspiring at the end. Um, I don't think that it is quite as good as Lord of the as Fellowship, mm -hmm. but I think that the Best Picture nominee nomination is earned. Now, granted, this is the beginning of our 2002 series. It is. So I have watched a few, handful of other 2002 movies. A couple of them are pretty strong contenders to be in the top five. But for now, I'm going to say I'm going to keep the two towers in my top five. On the Gandalf front. Yeah. We get Gandalf the Grey in we Fellowship. Do. In this one, we get no Gandalf. Then we get a surprise Gandalf the White. What did you think about, about that transformation? It brings it something new to this movie. Now all of a sudden we're talking reincarnation. You don't really know why exactly Gandalf turns white because he fell down with the spinning dragon. He, uh, there's a lot of unexplained un, 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 un I really liked the line where he said that um, he's basically what Saruman was meant to be. Yeah. Saruman should have been playing this role as kind of a savior for this rebellion, but instead he turned, he was too weak, and so the world needs one of those, and Gandalf is gonna fill that spot. I think that's a really cool idea. I was into that. Yeah, there are a lot of things that are kind of unexplained, and you just have to accept that, well, this is a fantasy world, you know. Why is it that you put the ring on and you disappear? I mean, you, ha you just have to accept that that's the rules of the, of the world they're in. And I still don't really understand how the Black Riders, the Ring Wraiths, the Wraiths. Are they, they're cool characters, especially on the horses. I love them. In, the, in Fellowship. And on the dragons. But can they sense that the ring is there? When it's on. Because it sure seems like they're following Frodo to some extent, but yet they don't, they can't, they can get within six feet of him and then they don't know where he is. When, I don't understand that. They said that when you go invisible, when you put the ring on, yeah. you go invisible to the world, but then you enter this wraith world right, and then but, they can see you but, so it's almost like a signal's going off when the ring is on but even think about in fellowship 
they're hiding under the tree roots yeah. below the, the street. Yep. You tell me that that black rider on the horse did not know that Frodo was nearby. He didn't have it on. But that's why he stopped. They're sniffing around. Well, because he had it on before that scene. And remember, he, Sam helped him rip the ring. So then he they knew, knew that he was, was in the area. He knew he was close. And somehow he couldn't actually see him. I don't know. There's something a little bit missing there. And I guess we're both nitpicking a little bit. I we nitpicked are. more this time. If we're than nitpicking this much, partly it's like it's daring this much. But also we've got, I think, it's, I think it's, it succeeds on the biggest, most important levels. It, it does. I, yeah. I think that the problems are bigger than just nitpicks, mm -hmm. um, but you're right. I mean, this, this is definitely still, I don't know if I'd say it's a great movie, but it's a very good one. It's a solid number six of the year. It'll be in the top 10, I think, <laughs> but it's not going to be in my top five. And it did uh, get it's, a, it's a great middle section. It, it does make me look forward to Return of the King, yeah. even though I wasn't loving this one. Yeah, very good. All right, in the next episode. We talk about 2002's Best Picture nominee, The Hours. It's directed by Stephen Daldry. stars Meryl Streep, Julianne Moore, Nicole Kidman. You can't get a more powerhouse trio than that. So that's exciting. It tells how the novel Mrs. Dalloway affects three generations of women who've had to deal with suicide in their lives. I've never seen this one. Looking I haven't forward either. to it. Haven't well, we want to hear from you. Let us know what your favorite either Meryl Streep or Nicole Kidman movie is, and we'll read your answers on the show. Uh, you can find us at bestpicturethis.com or at Facebook and Twitter at Best Picture This. Follow our page, subscribe to our feed, become all that a, stuff. Become a patron at patreon.com slash best, bestpicturethis. Thank you to Pinheiro Marketing Group, pinheiromg.com, if you want to learn more about all the services they provide. And uh, again, remember that the Two Towers is being played at the Epic Rewind, six bucks, April 9, 10, and 11. Um, so... Thank you very much for listening to Best Picture This. Until next time, don't forget to drink your golem juice <laughs> every morning to keep lubricated. And eat your black licorice. Mm -hmm. Never red. <laughs> Never, ever red. Kick it!